Hi everyone, my name is Steve Tudor and welcome to the Friday Show. It's a show that's felt quite nostalgic this week watching a takeover develop. On today's pod we'll be focusing on the big news coming out of the North East and chatting with a Newcastle supporting journalist for a Geordie take on it. We'll also be looking ahead to an England double bill that should see the three lions through to, to Qatar. To discuss all this and more, I'm delighted to be joined by Harry De Cosmo, the Geordie in question, and Howard De Hocking. <laughs> Hi, Harry. You well, pal? Hi, Steve. Yeah, I'm good, thanks. <laughs> uh, I expect it was quite a strange day for you yesterday. We'll get to that um, very shortly. And a lot of this pod may well be a case of me and Howard being like the the ghosts in Scrooge just telling you what you know the horrors that's to come um as well yeah. as the wonders as well because you're in for quite a ride um so yeah. Howard are you well uh yeah I'm all right thank you it's Friday apparently so as, as I told you off air I was cleaning my old flat at half five this morning so I don't yeah. I barely know what day it is at the moment but the, the horrors should be over by the end of the day so uh, well yeah and as th- I told you what Sorry, thanks to Newcastle for giving us something to talk about. Absolutely. Yeah, that's that's true enough. Your timing was perfect in that regard. But uh, yeah, as I said to you off air, um, I was surrounded, covered in baby poo and wee and all kinds of stuff this morning. So (laughs) quite a morning for everyone. We're Um, having a competition about who's had the worst morning. Yes. Yeah. Um, Harry, first of all, um, how was it for you? Um, Strange. I mean, the whole thing sort of, I mean, I was working... I do some stuff for the BBC, so I actually covered, I broke the story on the BBC Sports website, so I yeah. couldn't actually think about it really at the time. Um, I was kind of sort of, because the thing is that across the day, we were told it was 24 hours, you know, Thursday night. Mm. Uh, and Sorry, Wednesday night, sorry. And then, um, you know, it was supposed to be 12.30, then 2 o'clock, and it just kept getting pushed back. And, the, the nature of the whole thing for Newcastle fans has been false dawns. So even though it was that tiny little thing of like, it's just mm. a little bit like an hour delay and like, you know, constantly being told it was imminent. That's kind of like a, a microcosm of what it's been like for the last 18 months. So everyone was sort of still panicking a little bit uh, yeah. to, until, until it went through. Um, but yeah, it, it's, it's a strange feeling because uh, people are more bothered about Mike Ashley leaving than, than necessarily. I mean, there's, there's so much things we can talk about with the the new owners on a on a sort of excitement level, but also you know the, the sort of negative side, which I'm sure we'll get into. Um, but it's more about Ashley leaving, and, and I think that's kind of it was the biggest party Newcastle's seen in years because Mike Ashley's left, yeah. um, and people don't quite understand. I think outside of Newcastle, why maybe you know on a great scale why he is he's been so bad because. You can point to someone like Berry or even Sunderland down the road and say, well, it, well, at least it wasn't that bad. But it was for so many different reasons. And, and it's the, the, the way that, that the club can can now move on to, or, you know, completely. The, it might be out of the fire and into the, and, and into the frying pan, but it, at least they can feel like they, that, that they can compete again. And there's a bit of hope. And I think that's, what's, that's the, the underlying feeling at the moment. Uh, before we get into anything else, yeah, I mean, Alan Shearer tweeted, didn't he? You know, Newcastle, Newcastle fans can hope again. There was a, a, a yeah. great back page in the New, uh, Newcastle Chronicle, which just has Mike Ashley walking towards the exit door. Um, how bad was it under Mike Ashley? Oh, uh, it was. It got really bad to the point where 
you can't even it, it, it was it's just the lack of anything it was not even you know you would go into a game and you'd think you know take wolves last week it was just it was just uh numb when it when it happened when the defeats happened it was just it was oh this again and it, it the sad the, the worst thing is it doesn't matter it doesn't matter like people aren't talking about the fact that before covid 10,000 newcastle fans just walked away and yeah. and this is newcastle and the one thing newcastle's always had is its fans always turning up in droves and supporting the team. There's just no point. My my own dad hasn't been back to a game in, in five years because he finally got bored of, you know, travelling up from North Yorkshire, paying, his, paying, paying the, the, uh, the, the petrol and all that stuff, giving up his Saturdays when he thought, well, I could just be out walking with my wife on a weekend. So, hmm. and, and, that, and that became a better option because Newcastle just stopped being anything. It wasn't, even that it was a, it, it went beyond sadness and, and panic and worry about what would happen. It was just purely, well, so what? Because the, you know, if you won a game, it was like great. It was a great feeling that you won a game for five minutes, but then you realise that well, it doesn't really matter because we'll just lose the next one. Or even if we win five on the bounce, we'll just lose some in the future, and we're just going to be the ceiling was thirteenth, and it was like, what's the yeah. point in that? What's yeah. the point? That that's the biggest thing you can say, but also. For me, the bit, the, the one thing that I'm that I'm really happy about is now we can turn now Kevin Keegan can walk back into St James's Park. Yeah, I wasn't aware uh, of this until this week. Yeah, Kevin Keegan has not been a, a, not felt like he's welcome or not wanted at St James's Park. He says he's been back once incognito um, as for for a surprise party or something. He's not mm. been to a game since he last left in two thousand and eight. Now. I don't. I know Man City fans are aware of Kevin Keegan. Obviously, he managed you, and you. You. I, I, I don't know what you what you guys think of him, but Love to him. Newcastle, yeah. he's he 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 to, to Newcastle, he's effectively Jesus. Like he he can talk, and Newcastle will stop. Like he did an interview with Alan Shearer on his birthday in February, and the timeline on New, on, Twitter, on Newcastle's Twitter hashtag was just Keegan for like two days straight because people mm-hmm. were just talking about this article and. The fact that he's now allowed, even whether it's as an ambassador or just back in the stadium, the first thing I would do, is if I was Amanda Staveley, is I would get him on the pitch at half-time or, for, or before the game against Tottenham, just as the sort of real symbol that Mike Ashley is gone, because that would be the best way to prove that that era is now over. Yeah, and looking back on this week, obviously the, the takeover has been it's been bubbling under the surface now for ages, and they pulled out uh, a while back because uh, it just didn't look feasible. Then it looked like it could happen again. It was on and off. As regards to this week, did you have any inkling, or did it just come out of the blue? Um, well, I think it's telling that the two main, the two main issues about the takeover, why it's been on and off for eighteen months or whatever. It's because of piracy and separation. Now that's what the arbitration was about, and the mm. oh, sorry, the, the 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 court case last week was about you know it's all about separation of the Saudi state and PIF. The the consortium believes and claims, and the Premier League is apparently now happy that there is a separation between PIF and Saudi Arabia. But to me, it, it's just all. It seems like it's all about piracy. Piracy. The fact that 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 Saudi Arabia. Sort of stop the illegalities with 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 being sports and and pirating the Premier League coverage, which is a valid reason why you can't put a 
well, you can't put a, a takeover through when you are the Premier League. You can't be seen to, to to be disregarding one of your biggest partners like that. As soon as that stopped, a day later, effectively, the, the takeover's done. So, to me, it was never really about separation, really. It must have just always been about, yeah. or if it was separation, it was mainly about piracy. If, if you could prove that they were separate, then you can't really argue about piracy. But it, but even if, but now it feels like even though they aren't that they are or whether they are separate or not, if piracy is not a thing, it doesn't matter anymore, and the takeover can go through. So it feels like it was all about piracy, but it did. It just came out of the blue once. Um, it was, but it was literally it was like once as soon as the piracy thing. Five minutes later, the takeover could go through now, and then five minutes after that, it was like it's going to go through this weekend. It was very very quick. Yeah. Um... Howard, you tweeted uh, a couple of days ago, or sorry, it might have been yesterday, brace yourselves, Newcastle fans, the chief football correspondent of numerous newspapers are currently mounting their high horses. Um, Harry mentioned separation. We, we should basically quickly explain that, you know, Newcastle have been bought by PIF, um, which is the public investment fund arm of Saudi Arabian royal family. But there are very, you know, strong insinuations that... The PIF is chaired by the Crown Prince of Saudi Arabia, Mohammed Bill Salman, who is a very controversial figure. Um, the CIA have claimed that it was he behind the murder of a Washington Post journalist um, who was killed in a Turkish embassy. Uh, sorry, an embassy in Turkey. Um, and there's all matter of other kind of human rights issues, of course, in Saudi Arabia. So... It's been claimed that the Premier League are satisfied that there is a distinct separation between the PIF and the Crown Prince, um, but then there's other insinuations suggesting otherwise. So with that in mind, of course, now we can expect lots of articles from The Guardian, The Independent, etc. Um, regarding Newcastle and the Premier League um, being involved with such a person and, and such a, a state. Um Howard, it's it's of course different to ourselves, and yet there are you know similarities too. So, as regards to those similarities, what can Harry and his fellow Newcastle supporters expect in the weeks and months to come from your experiences as a blue? Uh, I should say as well, just before you begin, one of the key differences here, I think, is that for the first decade, no one mentioned City's owners. But the, okay, you know, you heard semi-racist kind of um, comments, oil money you know, just basically referred to as the Arabs, et cetera, et cetera. But as regards to human rights issues and kind of, you know, such things, no one ever mentioned it. And then suddenly it became a talking point. Newcastle, right from the start, and it's the fans getting it in the neck. So what, what can Harry expect? It's it's a question. I mean, you sent this, what, two days ago, the uh, agenda, that's kind of yes. already answered itself. Yeah. So, uh, you know, you've just kind of hinted at how it's very different to City. So, kind of regretted my tweet, to be honest, because it could be taken the wrong way. Uh, this is a serious situation in a way, but it's not, yeah. <laughs> I mean, you just knew what was coming. The thing with, I mean, City in 2008, it's just a different world to how it will play out in 2021. Yeah. I think Twitter was a thing in 2008, but I wasn't on it. And I'm not sure I was barely, I don't think Facebook was really popular then. There, there was no social media. There was no, there was, the interaction was not the same. And as you said, and also City fans only knew about a couple of hours before it happened. So 
Well, I certainly did anyway. It was yeah. a post on Blue Moon <laughs> and you woke up that day, it was transfer deadline day and wondering if we're going to get Mido on loan. <laughs> and by the end of the day, we were bidding for Berbatov and every other striker in the world and got Rubinho instead. So very different times because it came completely out of the blue for City fans. As you said, no one really cared. It was just, uh, they've got money, but that doesn't buy you success. And it was when we became good and when you start winning stuff that our owners became a bigger issue and also as social media grew. So what Newcastle fans can expect, well, I don't need to answer it because they've already experienced it over the yeah, last day. Yeah, and point. that is their future now. So it's up to them how to deal with that because there's no there's no discussions they can really have. You know, I mean, we've all been through this day about the separation again. Look, Newcastle's owners have clearly huge links back to the, you know, the state, yeah. and there's no denying that. City's owner, we've had this similar discussion about <laughs> whether our owner is a. Uh, is links to government and policy and, of course, the repression of human rights within UAE, uh, Abu Dhabi, and so on. It's, yeah, we're, we're not, we don't need to compete against who's more evil, who's got bigger links. The, the links are there, and yeah. Newcastle fans have to separate being a fan. And what is undoubtedly a troublesome ownership. And they've already experienced how it's going to be, and it will get worse when they start competing for major trophies, which Definitely. is probably almost inevitable, but will take a couple of years. So that is the future now. It's just something you have have to deal with. There's no easy way to deal with it. I found it utterly, utterly exhausting, the media coverage of City, and it's not me excusing our owners. Make it quite clear, I don't love City's owner, stroke owners, stroke whatever, They've also done some ridiculous things like the Super League. And, you know, we've criticised managers, players, the board and our owner. And I don't love our owner. I don't think he's some amazing guy and thank him every day when I wake up saying, thank you for giving us this money. He did it as a business thing. And I'm very grateful that I've had the best decade of amazing experiences and memories as a City fan. But he didn't do it as a charity thing. He did it to make money, and he'll make money when he walks away from City. Uh, so you, all that, the, the approach for me is just enjoy it because you didn't ask for this. There's nothing Newcastle fans could have done really anyway. This takeover will happen, has happened. And I don't think if every single Newcastle fan had rose up in protest, it probably still would have happened anyway. So just enjoy it because you're not responsible for this, you're not responsible for your owners and you're allowed to just be a fan and enjoy the team and and the amazing, amazing journey you're about to go on. Yeah, I mean, before I want to get to, to Harry and ask how he's kind of um, balanced it out in, in the last 24 hours, um, but before I do, it was just, there was a tweet I saw, and, you know, we all read hundreds of tweets yesterday about this, but it was just a tweet from a Spurs fan, although that's kind of irrelevant, um, talking about it. And he said, let's be honest, 99% of fans would take an owner with lots of money if it meant a lot of investment was brought in. Fair enough, fair comment. Then he says, how many fans look into owners' human rights violations and criminality? Not many. Sad state of the modern game. 
It's not a sad state in a modern game. When has a football supporter ever had to hold an owner to moral or ethical account? Never have done in the history of the game. And this used to be accepted, and yet now we're expected to be moral arbiters of the game. We're not. The authorities are. That's their job. That's not our job. That's the key point, Steve. The past decade is... Why are these... I mean, my tweet was alluding to this, really. Yeah. Why are... Why is football held to a higher standard? It's always been dirty. And football fans. Not fans, but the sport's always had its... It's never been clean. It's the biggest sport in the world. It's going to attract billionaires, power grabs. I don't like it. I prefer money to be taken out. Even a City fan, I prefer money to be taken out. I prefer a level playing field where... I don't know, Nottingham Forest can come into the Premier League and compete with City or United, but it's never happening. So, you know, it's as I've said many times, I'd like to ride to work on a unicorn, but again, it's not happening. It's just In the real world, this is what football is. There's always been problems and they change. And we're not the moral arbiters, but why is football isolated? It's always been, and why is ownership isolated separate from sponsorship? Now, I tweeted yes, a, yes, yeah. an image of a, a, Dil, a Miguel Delaney article from 2018 thinking that Saudi Arabia might invest in United. And he put later in the article because United already have very strong links with Saudi Arabia. So they had training camps there. They've got a thing with a telecom company. They now have currently, I think, sponsors with Aeroflot, which is state-owned Russian. Arsenal are, set, are sponsored by the Emirates, have Rwandan propaganda on their sleeves. Every single club has sponsorship deals already and Middle Eastern money is all over us and Newcastle's new owners, they own... If you really, really have... If people want to have a problem with them, obviously there's good reason to have... to be upset about yeah. Saudi Arabia's owner. But then, don't you know, do you use Uber? Do, do, Twitter? do any Twitter, Boeing, I think. Do any of us really care? As well, I mean, do ninety nine percent of football fans don't? This might be wrong, and it is wrong. But ninety nine percent of football fans don't care about what's going on in Yemen, and don't. And now, now they care because a rival club has yeah, been yeah, taken yeah, over. Yeah. And I don't know why football is held up to a higher standard when this money is already within the UK economy in trillions of pounds. So, what does a, a bit, a tiny percentage of that going into a football club? doesn't really make a difference to me. And I'd be a hypocrite if I suddenly became bothered about that because all of us, virtually all of us have not been bothered about it in the past. Yeah. Well, uh, yeah, because we're going to get to that very shortly with sports washing and the fact that basically I was unaware of Yemen until, you know, uh, it was all brought to my attention due to our club's owner. So, you know, sports washing, really? And I should say, we should care. And I do care more about world stuff now. and Social media, that's a good side of it. But we are hypocrites if we're pretending to care just to say that a rival football club, you know, is is evil, which I think is what a lot of football fans do. It's tribalism rather than actually really caring about what's happened. Oh, absolutely. It's dressed up as as ethical kind of concern when really it is tribalism 90% of the time. Um, But Harry, though, kind of moving all that to one side and just your own personal feelings, you're a nice guy, you're kind of, you know, an ethical guy, your club now has been bought by... You know, Saudi Arabia or you know, PIF, of course, yeah, but you must have some kind of quandary there, some kind of, um, you know, it, it can't all be... I, I, we, as football fans, of course, understand how excited you are right now, and we will come to that. But in addition to that, are you balancing that out with 
is it uneasy? Oh, it's 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 uneasy. It conflicted. Um, had a conversation with my dad yesterday. He, the way I could characterize it is, he said, "I'm conflicted. I might not go back." And then five minutes later, said, "But don't pretend that I'm not excited. I've already checked about season ticket prices." Yeah, um, yeah. which is a, which is quite a funny thing, <laughs> yeah. but it kind of it, you know, and I laughed, and that, you know, it kind of sums up my dad in a, in a strange way. But also at the same time, it's it's a serious point, like that that conflict is okay, and and Tony Evans uh, put a really good um, thread out. I thought that I retweeted yeah. uh, where he talked about you know effectively what what Howard was saying. You go to you or you, you used to go to the football. It's always, I think actually, maybe you said it, I can't remember. So it was, it was a long time ago in that in that really good interesting <laughs> thread. But um, but basically, basically, you would go to the football and you would not really, you'd know, not know who the owners were. They were invariably Tories. You know, you, they you knew that they didn't really care about you. You didn't really care about them because you didn't know who they were. You went and supported the team, and then he just ended it by saying, "So I understand the conflict, and that's all you need." So no, what I don't like is the sort of insinuation that the fans should do something, and it's a yeah, judgment, yeah. judgment to judgment of fans for celebrating. By the way, celebrating Mike Ashley's leaving, and you pointed out that that um, Newcastle fans, if they protest, Newcastle fans have been protesting against Mike Ashley for fourteen years. Has it made any difference mm. at all? No, it hasn't at all made no difference, and. Um, and yeah, and over those fourteen years, while that's happening, again from different places, admittedly, but Newcastle fans have been told effectively by a lot of people um, that Mike Ashley's done a great job. He stayed, he stabilised your finances. At least you're not, you know, Leeds or Bury or who, as I mentioned earlier, be grateful, be grateful. And then now they're being told that you should now, you know, be be outraged, be outraged, and it's like. Uh, it's a it, the, it's a problem with football. I want, I, like, like like Howard said, I want the owners and directors test to take into account human rights. I I'd rather I kind of Newcastle. If I was if I could choose, I would choose a a sort of you know a, 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 you know Newcastle. Really, what they wanted was an owner who was like Mike Ashley, who just tried a bit harder. Like, like that's <laughs> what would have. That that's what Newcastle fans really really wanted. Mike Ashley. The frustrating thing about Mike Ashley was that he had the money. He had the he even proved the in like a few like spells. You know, early on with Rafa Benitez in the Championship, the, the season we finished fifth and nearly got in the Champions League in 2012. That he didn't. He he that his his way of working kind of his 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 approach could have worked if he just put the right people in the right place and cared a bit more. The fact that and and it's kind of like it's very rich of people to now require Newcastle fans as you know why why are they suddenly the moral guardians as has been said when yeah. it's a football problem and it's actually a societal problem that you know capitalism rages to this point and it's got and this is a symptom of where the world is it, it, it I'm sorry you can't you can't like you know um, support we can't all support football. And turn a blind eye as we all have for so many years, and then and then when when you know when when the tiger comes and bites your head off, you can't then cry about it because we've been you know I'm, I'm not I'm we'll get onto the sports question. I've got plenty of things to say, and I am conflicted. You know 
the, on the opposite side, yesterday I saw people chanting, we've got our club back. We don't have our club back because of X, Y, and Z. Yeah. I saw people, someone dressed up as Mohammed bin Salman. Yeah. Now I'm, I'm sure that's, that's like probably out like in in their head an innocent joke. They probably don't. They, I wouldn't even be surprised if they didn't know who who MBS is. But it just looks awful. There was a Saudi flag in the in the celebrations. So plenty of people who have over the last eighteen months have said we want Saudi, we want Saudi, and and like properly gone in for this thing and like committed themselves. Pictures of MBS in their in their Twitter properly like it's gone beyond. And then, so you can't. So those people can't then turn around and say, "Oh, it's just about getting Ashley out. It's just about trying harder, like it is for me." Because you're then saying, you know, you're then saying, you know, I'm giving my, I'm giving my acceptance to to you specifically, and I don't care about the, you know, all of the atrocities. Which I think for for me, it's 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 all you can do as a Newcastle fan, because the two extremes are either you don't support them anymore, which is unfair of anybody to ask, or you. Um, or you don't care, which is which makes you, as I said, as I just described, it makes you come across like an idiot. You you have to just go down the middle and learn about the atrocities, fight them when they you know use your voice when you can. Yes, but yeah. try but but try and just get along with 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 supporting your team because that's all you've effectively signed up for. Nobody asked Newcastle about Ashley. Nobody's asked Newcastle about this. Fans, I mean, so you've signed up to support your club you can continue to support your club. That's kind of how it has to be. That, yeah. that 99% is just the key, the key point. It's easily it's easy for a Sunderland fan to say, this is disgraceful, disgusting, mm. blah, blah, blah. Of course it is. You sit someone down that's... Now, City obviously had not had success prior to the takeover of 2008, and Newcastle have not had success. <coughs> you sit a football fan. We all, we're all, I think we're all decent people, <laughs> virtually all of us. And we care about people and general things, and we're nice, and we're not bullies, and we're not nasty to people. We think ourselves as decent people. You mm. sit someone down and say to them, a fan, I don't know, of Nottingham, I've just the random club I mentioned in Nottingham Forest, and say, you've got two choices now. Your club could be taken over by Middle Eastern uh, royalty in a country that has questionable human rights. You will see things you could never dream of in the next 30, 40 years, the rest of your life experiences. Mm. Or you got a moral, you could take a moral stand now and stop that or just don't go ever and never look at their results again. And you see just how hard it is for that fan to go, I'm taking a moral stand. I'm not going to go to my club. You only live once and it's very, very, very hard. You can have issues with your owners. You cannot like them, but it's very hard to stop being a fan and not experience what all your most of your rival fans will be experiencing and the memories it will give you over the coming decades. Yeah. It's almost impossible in a way. And that just a quick point: not all Newcastle fans. I mean, you know, as Harry said about the people holding Saudi flags and so on. The fan bases don't. They're individuals. They don't think alike. There will be Newcastle fans who. Well, find exactly. this takeover abhorrent. There are city fans who have who do who question our owners, and some who don't go to the game anymore. So let's not just you know group a whole fan base together and say that they're all dancing in the streets ecstatic. There are a wide variety of views that fans will have for this, for as city fans have and will continue to have. Yeah, and the, the thing, other is- thing, the other th- sorry, sorry, Steve. The other thing oh. I did want to say was. Um, 
last year when the takeover stopped, a lot of the discourse was like, oh, it's great that the takeover's fit. You know, Newcastle had a lucky escape. And then everybody's just stopped, stopped. They, they went away. The, the issue went away. So they went away. The discourse stopped. And Mike Ashley went and fought his battle, the legal battle, to try and get this through and try and get either the takeover done or the compensation that he needed for the for his thing. But what, all the while, nobody focused on the club as it rotted, as it just drifted. Mm. And it's dr- seven games into the season, no victories, not look like we're in, and they've played West Ham, they've played Southampton, they've played Leeds, they've played Wolves, they've played Watford, and they haven't won a game. And that's all because nobody's and nobody said anything. And the only people who've been left to watch that are the fans. So you, so having been told what to, that they should do X, Y, and Z, the opposite was, well, it doesn't really matter because at least and 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 the justification was that at least those owners aren't taking over now. But you've now just got to sit and watch as your club is just drifting. Nobody cares. Because the difference between Mike Ashley's last 13 years and this last year is we've always thought that he doesn't care. He's never really cared. But the last year, he's actually gone and focused on something else. <laughs> he's actually checked out. And the difference is like, Christ, like, it was like a genuine thing of like, like he, was, he would never, he, he wouldn't sack Steve Bruce because it, it's going to cost apparently 8 million quid to do that. Yeah. It cost four million to get him out of out of Sheffield Wednesday, which is mental. I mean, twelve million pounds <laughs> to Steve Bruce. When you could have had Rafa Benitez was on six million a year. And it, That's it, a lot it, of cheesy it, kebabs, that a lot of yeah. it, it, well, the key, key thing about the Benitez thing is he doesn't want Benitez there because Benitez was too good. That's yeah. the most amazing thing about Newcastle United for but, me. It actually didn't want a good manager. Yeah. He, standoffs he standoffs even worse as well, isn't it? Because if Ashley's looking to sell over a year, he's not going to spend any money, is he? But the, but the most ironic thing about that was, if you want to do what you did this year and not give a crap about the team, not spend any money, put Rafa in charge, and at least there'll be a manager who can... Yeah. Because he did that before. You know, yeah. So you can you could have had a manager who could have... who uh, He wouldn't have liked it. He probably wouldn't have signed up to it. But, you know, theoretically, he was the, the ultimate austerity manager because he was that good at, at you always felt like you had a chance in a game you know I mean Newcastle beat Man City 2-1 um, in January 2019 we had no right to win that game looking at the team looking at the team, the, the team in that, but we won that game because Rafa Benitez has tapped, we wouldn't have won that game with Steve Bruce in charge yeah yeah, yeah. Um, and you know the, the two things that summed me up with some, some, some of the Ashley Rain this is a slight tangent was Benitez really wanted Solomon Rondon to to join us when he was th- and, and Newcastle he just won our Player of the Year and Newcastle wouldn't sell, wouldn't sign him because he was over th- he was over twenty eight he was th- he's twenty nine and it would have cost sixteen million to sign him he's the same age as Dwight Gale who Newcastle at the same time were wanting twenty million for from West Brom <laughs> so they were wanting twenty million for a, for a twenty nine year old striker but they weren't willing to spend sixteen million on a twenty nine year old striker it just that that's kind of like. So the wider point I'm trying to make is that was going on and nobody was ever saying anything because it was not um, it was not a moral question. But Newcastle fans have now been judged because they're happy that that's ended. And, that's, well, and I just think that's ridiculous. Judged as one kind of entity as well. I mean, you, you, you mentioned there about the fan with the kind of the, the mask yesterday. You're always going to get 
one of them. You yeah. always are. And you're always going to get a Saudi flag in there, etc., etc. Uh, I was involved in a, a discussion with someone yesterday who said that there's gangs, gangs on Twitter of Newcastle fans taking on journalists and defending the Saudis, etc., etc. You're being cast in, you know, painted as, with one brush here, and it's simply not fair. Because if you look back to last summer with the Euros and that final, ahead of the final, with with a thug, you know, the, the kind of the yobs and, and all the kind of drunken antics going on in, in um, Leicester Square there, it was portrayed exactly how it was. This is a minority of, you know, louts, whatever you want to call it, lads just out on the piss, basically who drank too much, um, causing trouble, getting into the stadium amongst, what, kind of 75,000 fans who just wanted yeah. to go and, and watch England play in a major final. That was portrayed how it really was. But now, if you've got like a small minority of people with Saudi flags on their Twitter bios, that's Newcastle fans. That's how you're being portrayed now by the media. And that is simply not accurate and it's simply not fair. And it's simply just ignoring a basic truth where if you get a large collection of people... A minority are going to be arseholes. A minority are going to be completely ignorant. A minority aren't going to care about world affairs. That's just simply how life is. That's the same. If you transport that same group of people into any other spectrum of life, it'll be exactly the same. It's it's just a simple true fact. It's been ignored by the media and it's not fair. And just one other thing from what you guys have been talking about as regards to kind of how the fans have been held responsible and, and other Others less so. Um, Daniel Story um, tweeted yesterday, and just to paraphrase what he said, if if the Premier League is happy to wave this through, and if the government are happy to trade with the Saudis, yeah. it's so unrealistic to expect football yeah. fans to sacrifice a lifetime's dream. I mean, why? Yeah. Why would they expect to do that? Yet everyone else benefits. So that's not fair. Yeah. There will be an yeah. argument that football clubs are somehow different. You know, I said I'm fine. I'm fine with it because the money's already here. It's everywhere. It's building. It's, you know, it's Russian and Middle Eastern money is literally building, keeping our cities going at the moment. Yeah, yeah. And, but some will argue, well, football clubs are set, are different. They, the, you know, the families are part of the community. It should be the same as just that. But I think, to be honest, at the top level, at least, they stopped being different a very, very long time it's ago. business. With yeah. the Premier League and power, yeah, it's billionaires. It's been here for a long, long time. It's This is what football is now. And yeah. nothing that happened this week has really changed what football is. So, Well, before I really want to get on to the positives of this because it, it's, a, it's a fantastic story in many ways uh, for a fantastic fan base. And I really want to get on to that. Just very quickly before I do, there's just one other aspect I really want to touch on, which is something we've experienced, uh, Harry, which is basically our achievements have been diminished by rival fans, which you'd expect, and by journalists, which you'd ex- you know, expect less so from them. Um, you know, there's a, there's a famous article, which you, you, you won't be aware of, where basically um, we won the treble and it was called, what was it, Harry, the diminished treble or something? Uh, yeah. Uh, or is it Paul Wilson, the guy who I think yeah. called it a bittersweet treble? So. Bittersweet treble. Um, so, and obviously with rival fans, they just discount what we do. You know, it's like, yeah, but you've bought it. You're going to get this, mate. <laughs> so, I'll, 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 imagine a, a bittersweet weekend of passion with Margot Robbie. <laughs> exactly that. Not, exactly. not really a sentence you'd ever say. Oh, well, oh, that would ever happen, obviously. But yeah, so Basically, Harry, what what is very properly lying ahead of you are 
nights and weeks and seasons which are beyond your wildest dreams, which will it'll just be unbelievable what's coming your way, mate. And then you will go on Twitter or you'll open up a newspaper and you'll just get people shitting all over you. So, um, well, I don't know where to come with this. First of all, kind of, are you expecting this, uh, Harry? Are you, are you braced for that? Well, it's better than, you know, laboriously going out of the third round of the <laughs> Cup to Alden, yes, which has been happening for, for 14 years. That's the, that's the reality. So, you know, I think I think Newcastle fans will have had a little taste of this in the 90s when they you know, bought Jindler and Solaire yeah, and, yeah. and Shearer. Um, a, a little bit, but this is going to be different. And the, 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 the truth of the matter is, I have no reference point for success. Um because I, I, I genuinely the first time no, I felt yeah. as an ad, as an adult that I had any sense that my team was going to win was the summer at the Euros. Like as a kid, the, I, my my abiding memory of of Newcastle's sort of sweet with success was being ten years old and saying to and my dad promising he'd, he'd take me to the UEFA Cup final in two thousand and four in Sweden if we beat Marseille. And then Didier Drogba breaking my heart, and me me being in tears, like going to bed thinking, "Well, I'm not going to Sweden now. This is, you know." Um, and that's kind of as uh, like, and 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 in a way, that's kind of built me as a fan. And there is a, I did have a question, like for for you for you guys as a not in it. This is a strange question, so like caveat it with that. But is there a part of City fans or you guys that does miss the main role? Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, Sean yeah. Goater days, because yeah. I kind of that's something I've sort of wrestled with over the last fifteen hours. Is now it's like it doesn't feel like it doesn't it doesn't it's not felt like my club for fifteen years, but it doesn't feel any more like my club in a sense now because just for a different way. It's like it's going to be much bigger. It's going to be brilliant, but it's also going to be much bigger. It's going to be you know like it's not going to be about cult heroes. I love Isaac Hayden. Like he's one of my favourite Newcastle players, and he's not gonna he, that type of player is not really gonna have a place in the. And I kind of like that with Newcastle fans, particularly where we we have always like appreciated that sort of like hard work. It doesn't you know it doesn't really matter about about particularly about ability. You know, so Bobby Robson in that in that Newcastle team that got into the Champions League, we had Andy Griffin, Titus Bramble, Andy O'Brien in the defence. So there was still that sort of grounding. It wasn't like. It wasn't like it was all it was all glamour. There was, was, even when it's been successful, there's been that sort of element of that. Is there is it is there a sort of sense that you do miss those? You know, the in a weird way, like appreciate not. It doesn't diminish that the that you don't feel like the success of it is worth any, any less. But that sort of connection does, does it not? Does it feel maybe maybe it does feel worse? But does it feel different? Is what I mean. Does it feel? Oh, it's un- yeah. yes, it's completely different. I mean, we, we, amongst City fans. We talk about this often, you know, and we do have this nostalgia, particularly for that one season we had in the third tier in the, in the late nineties, um, mm. where you know we basically just in a surreal situation of this huge club going to these tiny grounds, um, 
Yeah, it's kind of it's it's understandable that you know you can. I mean, it's it's a similar situation as to if you're happily married and you've got a lovely family and you've got a great job and you're very happy in life. You're gonna you're gonna think back fondly to your student days, you know, in, mm. in a bed sit, scrimping by on kind of you know hardly any money or just trying to get enough money to get for for a couple of pints that night. You know, it's life, isn't it? It's it is nature, and you will find that. I mean, how would I'm guessing the same applies for yourself. Uh, probably in a minority that no, I don't do nostalgia <laughs> like. But, but oh, that's it, interesting. That's a minority, the, though. That's what I mean. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Definitely, what you've said is probably true for many, and we do hark back to those days. But I can't answer this because I I can't remember my every thought in 1998 or 1999. But were we enjoying that? season at the time in the third tier oh good god no no so there you go you see it is nostalgia yeah. it's it's changing history in a way or your perception of what was going on at the time and yeah, yeah it's weird because i obviously have i heroes from pre-2008 and from the 90s and it's weird talking about david silver now sergio aguero because you feel like you're cheating on your old heroes because <laughs> The basic fact is, David Silva and Sergio Aguero are far, far superior footballers to most of the heroes I used to have. Uh, but you can appreciate both. Uh, that's part of being a football yeah. fan, the ups and the downs. And, of course, even when we weren't that good, we still, as Newcastle have had, you know, especially under Keegan, have had plenty of excellent players who, you know, you've got yeah. every right to adore and, uh, and cult heroes galore. So it is weird because it feels like two so separate parts of history that yeah. it's hard for them to, to join together in a it's way. It's two clubs. It, it is. It's one club. Of course, it's the same club, but it's also two clubs. Uh, there is that separation. There is that difference. And it's so contrasting, that difference, that, you know, it, it's it pulls apart. Um, but the really kind of interesting thing now for Newcastle on, on a positive note is obviously you can go out and, and, you know, spend and kind of improve upon your squad, which is one of the main things, the priority surely for Newcastle right now. Sure, the training ground needs to revamp, the ground needs to make over. These things will happen in due course. Um, as regards to the players, how much will FFP hinder, do you think, Harry? Because we never had that as City fans back in the day. We could just go out and spend yeah. willy-nilly. Um, apparently, Newcastle have got £190 million to spend in the next year um, to fit within mm. FFP. Beyond that, you'd be looking at around 65 to £70 million per window. Um, yeah. So it's not going to be just mindless spending. Which positions really need concentrating on and what kind of calibre of player are you hoping for? Ooh, Kevin De Bruyne? <laughs> Back off. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, um, uh, I think... The, the 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 ideal thing for me is is sort of uh, to be honest, um, th- there's a good caliber of player that you know. I mean, you might actually have passed him, and but effectively the club are in a decent position because of the way backhandedly because of the way he didn't spend. Now they've yes, got a decent yeah. position because they've got so much to run at FFP before it catches them. Um, as you say, 190 million. That's kind of an ideal situation. That's kind of what Newcastle fans wanted from him him anyway, 50, 60 million per window uh, and going for it. I think really, and, and to be honest, there's a good group of like, Callum Wilson is the is the calibre of player we should be buying mm. now, but more. St. Maximin is, is, I mean, to be honest, he's like my favourite human being on the planet right now. Hmm. Um, but uh, but and that's a side note, that's kind of, I'm happy that, 
we've now got a chance to keep him because eventually he'd have left um, under Ashley. Eventually, he, he, it's just a fact someone would have, someone could still buy him, but we've got the the project oh, yeah. there for oh, him. Yeah, yeah. There's, there's a reason for him to stay now when there wasn't before. Joe Willock is another, you know, so the, the, there have been signings made under Ashley um, recently that are of the right calibre, um, but they're just few and far between. And, in the middle of that, they've they've spurs forty million on Joe Linton, which we've discussed in the past, Steve, and I still don't know what what's really gone on there. Yeah, yeah, um, bizarre signing, really bizarre signing. But I think generally that sort of just more of that sort of Callum Wilson, you know, level of like you know someone like I don't know, Jesse Lingard would be would be good. You know, I think you'll probably find that we'll we'll probably go after you know, maybe like a Coutinho would be someone, you know, Barcelona are desperate to get rid of some of their deadwood. Yes. I'm sure yeah. Newcastle will, will, will bid, for, bid for a fair few of them. Um, you know, Lin, you know, so it'll be, it'll be the, the surplus of the big clubs to start with. Probably. I don't think we're, I don't think we're able to do what we have. Even if we have the money, I don't, I think football is sufficiently moved on where I think it was pretty clear that City were, City's weight money in that situation. It was only really Chelsea and Man United to yeah. battle with, whereas now there's Liverpool, Chelsea, City, United. Uh, you know, getting past Spurs and Arsenal is going to be even a hurdle. First, Leicester is still around, so there's a lot more competition for like the big. The big players are not going to turn around and say and say, "Oh, we're going to join Newcastle." Because you know, like Mbappe, for example, I know that's kind of like, funnily enough, become a jokey sort of symbol of this takeover. Is Newcastle are going to sign Mbappe. Newcastle are not going to sign Mbappe. And they won't sign someone like Mbappe for a good five or ten years. Five years, maybe. But a bit like when when you... For, uh, uh, Rubinho aside, the first really, really, really like world-class signing I think you made was Aguero, who wasn't Absolutely. like a... Who wasn't like an opportunity where like Tevez was available, so you sort of just bought... like He was there. and But, I mean, Aguero was someone you went and got who could have gone to Real Madrid. Yeah. Um, whereas I don't think Newcastle are going to do that for a while. So I think somebody like, I don't know, Lingard is a, is a good example. Coutinho, if you're going to talk about like a, a bigger name, someone like Coutinho, who who might be available, is a bit he's a bit surplus to requirements at a big club. That's the sort of a, a area we're going to start off with. But really the first thing we need to do is, is, is fix the training ground because it's like lower championship level and that's not even an exaggeration. It was state of the art in 2004 and hasn't been touched, literally. Mm. It looks exactly like it did in 2004 when Freddie Shepard built it. Um, so that's 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 more important, but I, I think eventually... It, it is fun to talk about that, though, isn't it? It's fun to sort of fantasise about it. Mean, that's the, that's the whole point with... of it, isn't it? Yeah, that's the whole point. Jan- yeah. January, yeah, January won't be as bleak as January's normally are anyway. So exactly. It'll be a lot of fun. Yeah. I mean, what, funny- I, I saw on Twitter and all these names being mentioned and I was like, no, no, no. And then someone mentioned Harry Kane, Harry. And I was like, you know what? Yeah. That, that, that seems far-fetched. And yet, what do you think? I, I would certainly have no, 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 no bigger aversion I'd have a really, I don't want him to break Shearer's record, but if he did it in a Newcastle show, that would be <laughs> um, <laughs> But 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 what's funny is I remember there's a game that I remember that that man that man that one of the first games of early games of your uh, takeover was against Newcastle in January uh, mm. 2009 and De Jong made his debut and Bellamy made his debut and I look back at that game and think weirdly that's one of the games that I, fe- I feel a little bit more like that's kind of what I'm looking forward to with Newcastle from the footballing perspective is 
go into a game with a with a few like better players. Just they're not they don't have to be, you know, like re, like we could go to someone like I don't know, maybe Wilfred Zaha from Palace, someone like that who someone who's really good from a team that's about our level at the moment, but would yeah. walk into our team. I think mm. that's where you've got to target, and that would be a lot of that. Just be a lot of fun going to a game and thinking we we could win this game quite comfortably because we've got these new players who are who are. It's just going to be more about getting players who are the same level. Like someone, so so St. Maxman doesn't look like he's playing on his own all the time, um, which he does quite a lot of the time. So that's kind of where I'm at with with, with transfers at the moment. If you ask me again in five years, I'll be saying, "Yeah, let's buy Mbappe." But <laughs> that's 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 to come. Um, Howard, I know you wanted to talk about this, and obviously feel free to. But first, I've just got a kind of question about FFP. Um, so basically, Newcastle now have a resources of three hundred and twenty billion pounds, um, ten times City's wealth. Newcastle are ten times richer than City. Um, with that in mind, and the fact that FFP is now a reality, I mean, you know, that's bittersweet, isn't it? Uh, no. Well, yeah. Well, I don't know. It's more no, sweet it's than still bitter, fun. but well, the, the thing with City, I remember. I'll, the first thing I knew about City's takeover was on Blue Moon. Someone just put, probably paraphrasing it here, lads, we've just become the richest club in the world. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, uh, it'd be nice if somewhere on a Newcastle forum yesterday, someone typed exactly the same words out. So yeah. City knew, even 2008, City knew FFP was coming. It was already being discussed, touted, and it was on its way. Uh, I remember... Brian Marwood saying that's why we actually changed our approach. City changed their approach to recruitment because they knew the drawbridge was coming down in about three yes, years. Yeah. So City just threw their money around. But without FFP, that was, I don't think that was the, they would have been a lot more patient. So we're just going to see that with Newcastle now because FFP is already here. Now, obviously, infrastructure doesn't come under FFP. So that training ground, the youth system, yeah, can yeah. Be, you can spend. You put a whole new tier on the stadium. You can do all that. Uh, I know there's issues though with the stadium. Hard to expand. I think is it not? But obviously, yeah, because there's a listed building down. Yeah. down so but it just look really, really lopsided. But you can still <laughs> modernise what's already there, of course. Yeah, you yeah. can do the youth. You can even the train. The training ground's huge. That's the first thing City's owners did. They absolutely ripped out Carrington, I think. Uh, there weren't even uh, doors on the toilets when Finney Company got uh, arrived just before the takeover. So that's yeah, the place was falling apart. I think uh, a lot of similarities between City and Newcastle, and obviously Newcastle were almost taken over by our owners, but Mike Shepherd uh, didn't turn up to the meeting apparently. So history is uh, bizarre. yeah, it's come full circle. So yeah. I think it's just a steady, steady, and I don't think that's something to be upset about for Newcastle fans. It's just a gradual improvement and getting, of course, the more sponsors you get in, the more your income goes up. That's the key. It's the quicker you can do. But yeah, I don't think it's actually... I know we all talk about, oh, look, yeah, of course, you're going to get giddy and say, let's try and sign Mbappe. But I think actually it's more exciting to see it grow. And I say organically and people will laugh at that. Because they say it's not organic, but uh, a gradual improvement and players coming in and slowly getting better. I think it's just as enjoyable as just going out there and buying any player you can get your hands on. Yeah, I mean, the the commercial revenue is so important because, like Newcastle under Ashley last year, 
um, £29 million, which is pitiful. It's a fifth mm. of Tottenham's commercial revenue. So you can expect that to flourish. Well, given the fan base, given the interest in Newcastle right now and their profile and how that's going to expand, then Newcastle are going to be a profitable em- enterprise in five years' time. So, of course, that helps significantly with FFP as well. And that's something which has so annoyed us, Harry. Honest, honest to God, the City fans yeah. on Twitter kind of saying to journalists, no, look, oh, well, not, maybe not so much journalists, but certainly rival fans who say, you know, oh, when your owner gets bored, you're screwed. It's like, we make tons of money. We are now a self-kind of sustained business. We are mm-hmm. the most profitable business around, you know, because yeah. of how everything has grown. So when you see all that as, um, aspect of the club grow as well, then whoa, you're in business, mate. Part, part of me wants our owners to get bored now with self-sustaining because we've got less of this tedious narrative. Yeah. For, yeah. Uh, and of course, they have sold off some of the shares anyway. So I think slowly, slowly, slowly. Perhaps. But that comes to the point about Mike Ashley. Like, he tried to make Newcastle self-sustaining while putting nothing in first. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. they were self-sustaining on nothing, effectively. Uh, whereas, so, so what, what I'm saying about principle, like principally, that's not a silly thing to make them self-sustainable. That's you know, principally, it's not a silly thing to only buy players who are under 24. But if you do it once, like if you buy one St. Maximum and then nobody else to book to go with him. And then hope to sell him. That's the whole point that knew that eventually he would have been sold because that's part of the plan. Like that's what I mean about um, him getting it right, principally maybe, but wrong yes. in his execution. Um, yeah. So I don't really, you know, I'm not. I think FFP is is it, it, it helps Newcastle because Newcastle are constantly saying fans wise, we want to challenge for the top eight. We want to. You know, we want a team that, that tries, we don't demand a team that wins and stuff. And it's been tiresome watching Le- Leicester or watching West Ham or watching Southampton bid 20 million for a player, like mm. or two players, two two or three players a season. And that'd be like quite common. And all right, we bought Joe Willock, but we, but it was like, we bought Joe Willock and then this, and then the club released a statement going, yeah, but we bought Joe Willock and now we've got nothing left. We've basically sold the sofa to buy Joe Willock. And it's like, that's kind of I'm just sort of fed up and that's kind of where I'm I don't really care about signing Mbappe I say that you know in five years no I know where you come from but but right right now I don't really I'm not thinking about anything else just them going to the Spurs game hopefully on Sunday and thinking even though we haven't got any new players it's just there's going to be an atmosphere about the club and thinking it's a new start we can win this game everything's different now all of the shackles have, be, have gone. All of the, the reasons why we couldn't beat Spurs is because Ashley's put this in place, this in place, this in place. It's all gone. So, hmm. and from January, that's going to be a literal thing when we can buy players. You still need to stay up, though, don't you? <laughs> we still, we still, but exactly, but that, but we still need to stay up. But the but the team shouldn't be where it is as well. Like, yeah, that's, that's where it is because of Steve Cripps. I'm sorry. Yeah. But, it's it's Bruce um, Gunner then in the next week. Yeah. Oh yeah. I think I uh, I would be surprised if he's in charge. He did an interview with. Um, the Telegraph last night, where he basically said, and I'm friends with somebody. So when I wrote my book, I got I got close to um, one of Sir Bobby's closest friends, who's also quite close to Steve Bruce, and he's quite like so. He's a bit more sympathetic towards him. And on a personal level, I'm quite sympathetic towards him. And I think in five years we'll look back and think maybe a little bit we'll, we'll probably have a bit more personal sympathy for him. But the it's it would be a bit of a PR loss if they don't sack him for the Spurs game because that's all regardless of the ownership Newcastle fans want him gone anyway so 
I don't know if there'll be a, a, a new manager in charge by Spurs, but I don't think he'll be there. Um, I don't know who the new manager will be. I don't again. But talking about managers, I don't think Antonio Conte would will will would be the right man for now, even though he's the best manager in who's who's available. I don't think he'd be right for now. I think you've got to you've also got to build that. And I cut and when it first happened in um, when the takeover was first going to happen in in April, I was going to say something. I was thinking, well, Man City gave Mark Hughes eighteen months and. Bruce was doing fairly, he was doing okay then. We were still in the FA Cup and the, the performances weren't great, but the results were better. Now that's all gone. It's kind of like we've got to start. But I wouldn't necessarily say, you know, if we went and got Frank Lampard, I wouldn't be like that bothered. You know, that's still an improvement. And what I'm saying is we don't need to go and get Conte or, yeah. or your, your equivalent of Guardiola. You built that as well. You built up, um, you know, it, it, you, you didn't. You weren't in a position just to go and get Guardiola when, when he first came available after Barcelona in 2012. Um, but you were you were after Bayern Munich. So it's about. I, I want to see the club grow and develop because then it'll be more, as you say, more sustainable. If you if you go and if you build if you build it straight away, it, it's there's more chance it'll crumble quicker. Whereas if you build it gradually, it'll it'll stick around longer. Well, the answer is very simple, mate. Bring Keegan back, um, just for the oh, yeah. <laughs> yes. Uh, I really enjoyed that. There's so much more to discuss, but alas, we're out of time, and and, um, and we've taken up too much of your time. State. You... Oh yeah. Well, we can't talk about England against Andorra. No, we can't. <laughs> Let's just assume, right, that England will beat a team whose population is uh, less than Telford. Well, I've, been, just yeah. be I've done day. two days of research on Sorry, this game. Sorry, I apologise. All yeah. I can say is there's a plastic pitch and for the first time for England game, at least, an all-female match officials, which yeah, is great. Is. So. Yes, under I, want, I, want a ta- I, I want a tactical analysis of the postman that plays the double pivot. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I, I, I apologise. It'll be inboxed by 4pm, don't worry. Um, <laughs> Harry, thank you so much for joining us today, mate. No, thank you very much, Steve. It's been, been great fun. Howard, thanks as ever, man. Yeah, absolute pleasure. Thanks. Thanks, everyone, for listening in. That's a wrap for today. We're off to buy our own football team. Sure, it's a bootio, but you've got to start somewhere. <laughs> in the meantime, take care of yourselves, be well, and forever up the old money blues. <laughs>